This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name's Craig. My name's Andrew. Put a little English on that intro there for you. Put a little... Hello. Hello, loves. No. Oh. This is overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. Are we it? trapped in these voices now for all of the podcast? Yeah, this is the whole thing. Oh. This is the... Oh, my... It's the whole thing, then. <laughs> oh, flippity gibbets. Spit spot, governor. Would you like a biscuit? <laughs> Chocolate chip biscuit. Because bis- <laughs> biscuits are cookies, right? Yeah. Is that how it goes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fish and biscuits. Fish and- the old fish and biscuits. <laughs> fish and crisps, right? Is that? Fish, yeah, fish and crisps. Well, it's fish and chips, but the chips are fries. And the chips are the crisps. Mm-hmm. Fish and chips and crisps. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. This is uh, this is definitely the same podcast that we do week in and week out. Nothing's going to be different. Andrew, what did you read this week? I read a bunch of questions that we compiled into a book and published uh, to a Google Docs document. And we're going to answer some questions, right? That's the thing we said we would do. I thought you were going to say that you didn't read anything. Because I didn't read anything. And no, we were, I didn't read anything. Then we were just going to go home. <laughs> no, I did copy and paste a lot of reader questions. Yeah, we we said for our for our June bonus episode because I guess we didn't want to read anything. It's been a busy whatever. We just Listen, didn't man. Read. We, we wanted like to... Craig got married. I'm yeah. buying a house. Like, how many excuses do you want? Because I've got a few. We can't be Peter Pan boys forever. We have to grow up, and sometimes that means no time for books. No time for books. No time for books. Remember that? <laughs> Peanuts with no dogs allowed. It was like that. Uh, yeah. So we're uh, we're letting our hair down. And uh, yeah, you guys seem pretty much on board with whatever we want to do. I think we've gotten a so lot of like, buckle positive. up. Yeah, so sure buckle goes. up. Let's go. We've uh, we got a good response to that Halloween ghost stories episode that we did. That's a true. That was, a that was also that was fun. also pretty loose so we uh put out the call on our goodreads page and on the show a couple of times to get some questions from you guys stuff that we would not normally answer in the course of a regular episode and well we'll just try and answer them yeah and we'll see how it goes yeah andrew was keen to do the uh fraser crane call-in episode and i think we still want to it just, but Kelsey Grammer just wasn't available. Yeah, and it's, it's, and we, it's become this whole thing. <sighs> yeah, I can't really talk to Niles anymore. Yeah, That's his no, name. David right? Hyde Pierce. No, David Hyde Pierce. <laughs> Niles Hyde Pierce won't speak. David to Hyde anymore. Pierce communicates with the show through a wall of lawyers now, <laughs> which is unfortunate. It's really it's not insulated though. It's a poorly constructed wall. 
Yeah, but it's a walnut, nevertheless. 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 All right, Craig, you said that you had a particular question that you wanted to kick this whole mess off with. So yeah, this one. Let's, let's get down to it. This one comes in from I'm Melissa. I'm listening. And, oh, good. Uh, that's different than usual. Um, and we figured it was like we could pull the curtain back on some of our origin story, our Batman-like mm. origin story. Our Spider-Man I think definitely more like Spider-Man. Yeah, with great literature comes mm-hmm. no responsibility. I got um, bit by a radioactive <laughs> book. Now I'm part book, <laughs> and words just fly out of my wrist. It's really weird. Um, so Melissa asks, we have a couple questions from Melissa in a row that I want to get to, but uh, two really important questions. Who came up with the name Overdue? And what were rejected names for the podcast? And I don't, I'm fairly certain that I came up with a name, but I don't know that for certain. I do remember the bus stop I was standing at when I texted you with like my old Nokia Motorola phone and said, I want to do a book Mm -hmm. podcast with you. But Mm -hmm. I don't think I had the name at that point. Andrew, you, I think you did some digging. Okay, so I, I've done a little bit of digging here. I don't. I think a lot of our text messages from that period were sort of lost to time, which is unfortunate because I could use them when I was writing my best man speech. But <laughs> <laughs> I do have a Gchat log dated uh, it's January seventeenth, twenty thirteen. I think we posted our first episode in February or maybe like early March. That sounds right. After recording like three or four, just to kind of get comfortable with it that was the plan Um, wasn't it that was the dream was the plan yeah no we were gonna be we were gonna be way in advance on this thing we were (laughs) never gonna be finishing a book half an hour before we recorded a podcast that went out six hours later (laughs) never we don't do that now (laughs) we were on top of it so yeah i have this i have this chat log and I guess I'll just like, should I send you the link and we can both read our? Oh, parts, that's perfect like, just for the first. Bit yeah, of it? just uh, pop it in, pop it in my Gmail. We're not going to this is going to be great. OK, I see. OK, I read the name that says Craig. Yeah, you read Craig's part and I will be playing the part of Andrew. OK, well, it says me. Me is me and Craig <laughs> is you. <laughs> OK, Uh <laughs> Okay. Oh, hey. What is up? (laughs) So the idea I came up with kind of mutated out of a separate idea I was having. Lay it on me, man. I was... (laughs) We were in a... We still say that. Um, I was thinking I wanted to read more of the plays books I own, specifically stuff that people have bought me over time or whatever, and I just never got around to. I have a lot of plays like that, actually. (laughs) And I was thinking, oh, maybe I could start blogging again with that as a focus, like a play a week thing or whatever. Oh, man, I have a lot of that, too. (laughs) I think everyone does. But then I started thinking of that episode of Sat Dish that I really liked. You have to pause for context. This is a a now retired podcast from the McElroy family of shows where Justin and Sydney, now co-host of the awesome podcast Sawbones, would talk about television. They were dishing on television get it mm-hmm. it was called um, the satellite dish uh then i started thinking of that episode of sat dish that i really liked exactly <laughs> so walk me from this to podcast <laughs> i 
feel like we could pretty easily do a weekly bi-weekly show that was us kind of reporting to one another stuff from our bookshelves. The conceit being we are specifically working through backlogged material, special emphasis on stuff you're not sure where it came from or whatever. It might be best as like 30 minutes. <laughs> and, it gi- and if it gives us license to be funny, serious, depending on what we've read and how we feel about it. Oh, cool. And it, asterisk. That this must be a spell check thing. I will admit that you probably have more books of this type than I do. <laughs> I have a lot more unplayed games. And that's fine, because we could even bill it more as I'm the one doing the bulk of the reading, if you want. That's, what am I saying? stupid suggestion. You're an idiot. But there's also a lot of, I've always meant to read slash do this, and I haven't. I think it may do us well at first to stick to book stories, because it's just a tad more universal. Yeah, that's probably best. But, like, I have lots of old plays. Lots of old plays. Many of which are probably sort of interesting, but probably also sort of bad. Ha ha. And if we end up riffing based on one really goofy scene for ten minutes, that's cool. The trick would be not to do too much just reading choice quotes. <laughs> um. Yeah, and it, it goes on for a bit. Like, the, like wow. I oh, have okay. Not, this the f- the first suggestion I gave was the backlog. The backlog, which we dismissed when we discovered that there was a Twitter account squatting on that name, which there still is. They have uh, six <laughs> followers, and they have not tweeted since April 2012, so obviously they are making really, really good use of that intellectual property that they stole from us. Real um, quick, the whoever's been squatting on Twitter.com slash overdue is still there. Still living in doing anything? Nope. Still living in the Ukraine. Still Uh, not tweeting. I feel like I feel like we should be able to claim squatters, right? Eminent domain at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's the origin story. It's just like a couple of dumb idiots. Oh man, I really had an idea for a. (laughs) I really wanted to set the bar super low, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, here's some other name suggestions from that same thread. I said I thought of naming it The Bookshelf, but found that is taken already, of course. I have a very particular set of skills. Uh, you say, and from The Bookshelf is an NPR program. <laughs> uh, the book backlog sounds goofy out loud and also and also goofy in writing. Like, let's be honest. Um, I, I suggest The Dusty Bookshelf. <laughs> and you say maybe i'm not in love with it and then i say yeah i don't love it it sounds like a mom and pop bookstore you say sort of or a mom and pop sex maneuver no and then i say like a dumb one i gave your mother the old dusty bookshelf and then after that i was like yeah we'll find a name this is great (laughs) listening to chat logs of us from oh god now like three years ago four years ago something years ago yeah it's funny it's like i don't know how often you listen to the show uh after we do it but Mm -hmm. i always find myself thinking the exact same thought before i say say yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so listening to us riff on the name dusty bookshelf that's nothing has changed i yeah, haven't no, grown up as a human at all and you, dusty bookshelf is still a really bad name 
I don't know where Overdue came from. It's a good name. It served us well. It now like, has done that thing where anytime I see the word, my brain lights up. Right. Like if I and, um, even even if someone's like, "This is late. It's overdue." Like yeah, you when, need to. When you're trying to name like anything, at this point, it's it's like a combination of one, what do you want to name it. Uh-huh. And two, like, is it taken by somebody somewhere already? So uh, overdue, I feel like I don't I don't know at what point that name entered the discussion. But at the time, we were probably thinking, oh, this is the best name that doesn't seem to be claimed by somebody else. Like we can get the we can get a URL, we can get a Twitter account, we can get a Facebook account and it will be kind of easy to Google. Like this is all stuff that comes up when you're trying to name anything yeah there was a really good uh episode of the illusionist lately about right yeah, yeah. about branding and that's part of it and they've do- they've covered that at 99 invisible as well uh th- that's the radiotopia family of podcasts we're just going to give shout outs to every other podcast on this episode mm-hmm. um we have lots of influences I yes guess. yes because yeah i was I this was the year it was just after the year where I worked at Princeton I was fixing computers and stuff oh yeah and I was doing this commute and it was up and down uh route one in New Jersey which I don't know like how familiar any of you guys out in Radioland are with that but it is a bad road it's a bad road <laughs> it's just miles of bad road and it would take me like we lived maybe 15 or 20 miles from the campus but it took me one way between 45 and um, 75 minutes to drive to work or back. Mm. Mm. And so that's that's the year when I started listening to My Brother, My Brother and Me and like all kinds of other podcasts. I'd, I'd been doing it casually for a long time before that. But yeah, that's that's when I got really into them. And I think like that combined with just wanting to work on something with you was mm-hmm. the impetus for wanting to podcast anything in the first place. Yeah. And so Andrew, that is a good segue to another question that we got. <clears throat> let, me, let me find it. This is a, this is a solid episode that we've got going so far. Time. I mean, I think we're getting into a group, but it took a bit. Yeah. Well, you had to wait until we said dusty bookshelf. Oh um, God. Welcome to Dusty Bookshelves. Welcome to Dusty Bookshelves. Ew. Oh, my God. Uh, how <laughs> did you two become friends? This is a, another question from Melissa, actually. We've uh, given her lots of questions this week. I seem to recall you saying that you'd met as roommates in college. Am I remembering that correctly? I may not be remembering that correctly. You are. But what was the actual moment when you went from thinking about each other as the dude I have to put up with to the dude I don't mind putting up with? that much <laughs> i do uh, i appreciate the assumption that when you're making friends like you start from a position of hating everybody <laughs> well i think it start, i think the presumption here which is it which is not true is that we were like assigned as roommates i don't know that we've talked about this on the show we were each assigned roommates that we do not care for or did not i don't i've not spoken to mine no like i, th- I think at this year. point like, at, w- in case they're listening, and like, God forbid, right? <laughs> oh God! Um, it was it was a situation, and if you've ever been assigned a roommate, I think I think this is pretty, if not universal, at least like recognizable. Is you're assigned somebody based on a bunch of checkboxes that you made on a piece of paper, 
and you get along like fine initially. And then by the end of nine months, you've discovered like every single thing about that person that you do not like. Yeah. And And not because they told it to you. Right. Just because you saw it. You saw it happening. (laughs) You saw them making rice in their contraband rice cooker and then playing Diablo 2 in their boxer shorts. Until you like saw, two in the morning. You, you saw it. You saw your roommate sleep through a call that he wasn't at tennis practice. You <laughs> saw your roommate get carded and totally not be of age and then have his car that was his aunt's get towed out you of state. Opened, you opened that door when he had his off-campus girlfriend visiting oh. and had not adhered to the lock the door if you're in there policy. Oh, no. <laughs> But yeah, so so Craig and I we met at some well, okay, so this is this is again going back to my best man speech. I the first time I saw Craig, he was doing a cover of Eminem's Lose Yourself at an open mic night. It was not a very successful performance. I don't remember no. who the guitarist was. They were bad and I was fine. Not great. I was and not I, best my best form. <laughs> At that same open mic night, I did a cover of the sweater song, the Weezer <laughs> thing. I don't know if you were still around for that, but no, I, definitely, I think I bailed. Yeah, you were like, "Oh yeah, I, I've done my work here. I my work here is done." I flew away into Peace. outer space out of embarrassment. <laughs> so yeah, that's my first memory of running into you, and then I think the first time we had an interaction that would lead to later friendship. And this is like when you're making friends, it all starts from one interaction that you're not even sure you're ever going to remember. But we were in some room like waiting for waiting to be served beer. Mm -hmm. And I would have been like 18 or maybe 19, which would have made you like 12, 12 years old. (laughs) Yeah. 12 years old. (laughs) And and i had never i had never had anything to drink before yeah it was you were you were uh scaredy pants you didn't know the, what was going on yeah i did not know know what was going on so i had like a keystone light and half a screwdriver and so i was standing in line for one or the other of those drinks and like you gave me this weird like what would jesus do riff where you asked me like what would drunken craig do and then you said he would jump around and then you <laughs> you jumped yeah, you jumped up and down in place. Better friendships have been founded on worse. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I I'm impressed that we both recalled this incident, and I will call it an it incident. A very, it was a specific moment. Like there were bracelets made. Yeah. Um. There were screwdrivers made. There were screwdrivers made. They were not great. Uh. And then after that, yeah, we just we talked a bunch i think we probably end up play ended up playing like playstation 2 in your room or something mm-hmm. and the college where we went there's this path like that runs right through the middle of campus it's called mm-hmm. middle path mm-hmm. <laughs> which makes sense such a good name and we would walk down it and then get to the like dorm building at the end of it and then we would reach up and like smack the door which the first time we did it we did it without even like conversing with each other and then we would walk back yep this is the walk and uh yeah i don't know like I, we enjoyed each other's company and we were kind of on the same page about a lot of stuff without talking about it like i think even before we realized that we were yeah yeah oh totally i'm trying to sound like i'm not like giving you the synopsis of a nora efron movie or something <laughs> <laughs> no i think we just we both just kind of found a person to hang out with that like 
got it. Yeah. And didn't whatever and, it was. And didn't need much more explanation than that. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah. there are plenty of other people that I met through activities that I did at school or um that like almost became friends with and then who so glad they're not. Um and I don't know, something clicked and we were just like, Yeah, you're good. I it, I guess like theoretically it could have been anybody and if it was just like proximity plus a general like willingness to be goofy in the same way as like who knows who I could be friends with but for the algorithm that Kenyon College used to put us all together yeah I don't know man who knows what would have happened yeah um glad it happened it I'm glad it happened too um so here here's one from uh Paula on Goodreads uh what book have you read for the show that you were surprised that you enjoyed and the opposite, what book did you read that you were surprised you didn't like? And have your reading preferences changed at all since you started the show? That's a good, that's a good, good question. It's a good question. And I've done enough interviews to know that people say that's a good question when they're stalling for a, for time. To that's think about true. Things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the catalog right now. I really enjoyed Visit from the Goon Squad. And I, I don't know that I like fully expected to not enjoy it, but I was I'm surprised by how much that book has stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And that was a that was a while ago. That's that's uh, two years ago, a year ago. Yeah, it was a it was a while ago. That is um, not a recent book. And and for me to carry that around amidst the other books that I kind of carry around in the back of my head, uh, I'm very impressed by that yeah it's kind of the same thing for me like I, I don't know that I've set out to read any books that I thought that I wouldn't like that I ended up not liking like I think the Da Vinci Code is an early example where I, I read it and I was like yeah I recognize like the value in this but that doesn't mean that it's for me <laughs> that's fair <laughs> but yeah books that I've read that have really stuck with me I have recommended um The Sparrow Oh by, yeah, you uh, like that book a lot. Mary Doria Russell, I think her name is. Um, I've recommended that to a bunch of people, and and it has been very enthusiastically received. Like I, I think that's a, st- it's a standard for some people, but not for other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it it just it deals with a lot of really interesting issues. Um, Isaac Asimov's Foundation, I liked a lot. Um, and that's that's one of those books. Like like let's let's say. The next part of that question, uh, what book did you read that you were surprised you didn't like? I'm not going to say that I didn't like Dune, but I am going to say that I know that if I had read it when I was like 15, I would have liked it a whole lot more. Oh, yeah. That's a good. Um, that's a good. We And we've come across a couple of those. We're just like if, if you're maybe too old for them. And I'm not I'm not saying that in a in the sense that people sometimes do when they're looking down on YA literature or whatever. But I'm I'm saying it in the sense that. There are just there are things and there are cliches and tropes and and whatever that you could look past when you're younger that well because you're you don't, too familiar with to be like surprised by. That's now. exactly it. Like you don't you haven't seen it in ten other things. You haven't seen either ten other things that may or may not have been influenced by the thing that you are reading. Exactly. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's kind of I'm I'm both ashamed and proud of our Tolkien trilogy for that very reason. Yeah. Because that went from me making people angrier than I've ever made them 
Mm-hmm. To uh, I I had my own Tolkien journey through those you books. Did, there and back again. I went there and back again <laughs> on those books, and I totally understand why. And and we said it on the episodes, and I'll say it again. Like that's one of those series that, and I think I ran into it recently with Preacher also, where it's like maybe oh, yeah, that was a big one. Maybe if I had just read all three of those Tolkien books for one episode or read them all and then doled them out that would have affected how I enjoyed them mm-hmm. um, and affected how I talked about them at least right uh, but I didn't know that that was going to be the case until we did the episode so that's one of the weird things about doing what we do for the show is that the the format of it certainly affects how I appreciate books both good mm-hmm. and bad yeah um and and certainly, yeah, there there are books I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. I think you've read more for the show of the staples of sci-fi that we didn't come across beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I my I think I was a little rougher on the giver than I might have been if I'd read it in high in like middle school when everyone else did. Um, are there so ha- have your reading preferences changed since you started the show, Craig? Um, in that I don't have my own preferences anymore. Yes. <laughs> in that I am at the whims of our illustrious listeners and our own desire to program a show that is as inclusive of diverse authors as we are able to be, uh, while still like honoring our Patreon donors and stuff. Um, that is about my reading preferences right now. Yeah. I, I can't remember the last book I read that wasn't for the show. It was probably a book, like a research book for a play or work. I think if for me, it may have been that um, biography of Phil Hartman that came out that I didn't. Oh, that yeah. That was like fine. I didn't care for it that much. Um, yeah, I, I guess another way to spin that is to say that I am way more just up for reading whatever and giving whatever oh, a that's chance true. That's than a good, I would that's have the, been when we started the show. That's the positive way to answer the question. Uh, Thanks. Great. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I just can't see myself sticking it out for like Victorian romance novels mm. before we did the show. But sure. because of the show, I've read like four or five of them. At this point, I'm familiar enough with the genre and its tropes that, my familiarity is making it easier for me to appreciate stuff like Jane Eyre that we just read a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, you've certainly warmed to that whole realm of writing. Yeah, in in a way that I don't know that you would have without the show. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, but when when we started, I I wasn't even reading a lot of fiction because I'd I'd kind of fallen out of it, and I just I found it um difficult, I guess to to get into the headspace or like the voice of another writer, if that makes any sense. Like we've talked about that on the show a little bit. Is it sometimes can take you the first part of a book to get used to just the perspective that it's coming from and the, that's fair. The words that it's using and the phrasing and and whatever. It's interesting. um, I read, I was doing a lot of reading right out of college. And, and part of that was, I was 
living back at home after college uh, with my mom and my older sister who has an MFA in creative writing. She could read most books in a day. I don't really know. I don't think it, she's been on the show. I don't, it's Jillian. I don't think it matters how long the book is. She'll finish it in one day. That's just crazy to me. It's, it's, she's like, oh, this weekend I read this novel. I'm like, stop it. I knew a book podcast and that sounds insane. <laughs> um, but she had all sorts of books to loan me um, and has given a couple books recommended to the show along the, along the years. Um, and I was working as a technician in theater and working backstage. And on some shows, that meant not really doing a whole lot, S- like sitting around for 20 minutes in between scenes or whatever. So I had plenty of time to read because uh, you don't want to like be on your phone. I didn't even have a smartphone. So I was just going to be playing like Snake or, or Parachutes or something. Right. Dumb. Gorillas. Um, <laughs> so I got a lot of reading. That's when I read Infinite Jest. That's when I read. Um, a really good book called The Last Town on Earth, which is set uh, during the Spanish flu epidemic around World War I. Um, lots of cool books that I read there and then had to like stop for a little while and then came back when we started doing the show. So, I don't know. Preferences. Right now, the the reading list is dominated by the show. And which I kind of I kind of like. like it's, I don't it's, mind it's only it. Been, I don't mind it. Yeah, it's only been in the last like year and a half or two years that we've... Like you use that word program, we've been making a real effort to program the show and yeah, like, oh, we've been like super white dude heavy lately. Let's like ease up on that. It's it's and making the decisions about books we're reading based on like, okay, this is this is tied to a movie that's coming out or like this is a big name book that we think a lot of people want to hear us talk about it and, and balancing that with more obscure stuff that's that we want to read just to like expand our own horizons yeah and i think that is easier to do with the listenership right like y'all recommend a lot of books we've never heard of it is yeah it's way easier to expand your horizon if you're not just relying on your own horizon (laughs) you know (laughs) you have other people's horizons in there to to kind of lean on a little bit um, do you want to, do you want to get some quick hits in? I feel like we, we've answered a couple questions like really thoroughly and then there are a bunch of other Sure. Um, uh, do you have one you want to pick or do you want me to go again? Wum. Wum? Is that the word I just said? Wum. Wum. Well, speaking of, uh, speaking of preferences and tastes, do you share your tastes in books with your wives? Asks Kelly. Um, I, I was, I, before I let you answer that question, Andrew, I do want to, my friend Miguel pointed out, he listened to the Eat, Pray, Love episode that Lauren Susanna did. Mm-hmm. And he said that he both found it hilarious and appreciated that they didn't explain at all that, that it was like a special, like they were there for a special reason. It was just like all of a sudden they'd taken over the show. Yeah. Which is the best. I <laughs> It was a bloodless coup. There was no explanation. It, like the best, I think the the closest it came was that like talking about our wedding timeline. But other than that, right. it was just like, nope, these are the people who do the show this week. I think that's fine. I think that's what happens when when people who don't podcast take over a podcast that's is they true. don't they don't know what context they have to provide to the listenership. Okay, Ooh. don't throw shade at your wife. Do you share okay. tastes? book tastes just put, i don't want to know anything else do you share book tastes do you guys lick the same books 
not like after each other. That would be gross. Okay, cool. Um, it's it's that's an interesting question. Um, definitely, Susanna listens to the show. Yes, and when I am really into a book, it increases the chances that she is going to read it and be into it. The Sparrow mm-hmm. is a, is is again like a really good example. Um, she also recommended. Uh, the Bees by Laylene Paul that I read that I really oh, enjoyed. Oh yeah, well, that was a fun book. Um, and yeah, a, lo- a lot of the books earlier in the show when we were adhering uh, more, more more strictly to the stated premise where we were reading like books that were on our bookshelves that we hadn't read before. A lot of the books that I w- was reading were actually hers. So oh yeah, I wouldn't say that we read all of the same books necessarily but definitely we do tend to be drawn to the same stuff and enjoy the same stuff cool what about you oh okay i'll answer this question yeah i mean Uh, as as, uh, i will just say at some point my (laughs) phone thought that i said hey siri and started (laughs) tracking all the stuff that i was saying so i had to turn that off real Um, quick i don't know i don't know that that laura and i share as many similar tastes in books um her recommendations to the show, I think, have largely actually been with uh, children's lit and books that she enjoyed as a kid that I just never read um, and that she's kind of advocated for. She is a huge historical fiction fan. Um, and I, not that I dislike that, I just don't go to it. And Are you talking about like what if history or, or give, me no, a, give me an example? She recently read a book. I'm going to forget what it's called. Tell me just tell me what it's about. The premise is it's one of Thomas Jefferson's daughters. Okay. And it's about that time period, so it's like interesting to read. So it's like read. stuff that could have happened but didn't necessarily happen. It's like most... you're not you're not changing the timeline to make your story work. No, it's stuff uh, it's stuff that happened but you don't necessarily know what that person thought the whole time. Okay. And like maybe they didn't kiss that guy or maybe they didn't like they weren't in that room at that time. It's Hamilton. It's based. Well, it's, that's it. She found it very interesting to read it recently during the, you know, the initial fervor of Hamilton. Um, Cause there's, you know, Monticello is a cool place to be. Uh, yeah, it is. So she can, she can <laughs> easily uh, get down on some historical fiction and is a little more prone to uh, the crime procedural, um, or the kind of like Gillian Flynn or Gillian Flynn thriller than I am. Sure. Um, my tastes, I I I get I get pretentious with my book taste sometimes, and I know that that's a thing that I do. See, if um, if anything, the podcast has made me more disdainful of pretentious books. Like I did not like the Cormac McCarthy book that I read. Like this, yeah. There are books. There are literary canon white dude whatever books that i'm supposed to like that i've just i've not liked and like we're talking about doing infinite we're talking about doing infinite just for episode 200 and i'm probably gonna end up doing it but like i am not you're not excited to give this book the benefit of the doubt and i'm hoping that i like it but uh, and it's gonna break my heart like if you want to go back go back and listen to the lord to the fellowship of the ring episode hear how many times in the background you can hear andrew's heartbreak then Mm. take that track and sync it up with my heart preemptively breaking for how you're gonna feel about infinite jazz yeah yeah because yeah, yeah, i know yeah, yeah. i know it's gonna happen and i don't know i will not i i will say i don't know if you 
always felt that way. I don't know if I, I always did either. I think I think before we started doing the show, I didn't really have an opinion one way or the other. I, I probably would have been, if anything, like more amenable to liking the books I was supposed to like. Sure. Or just or trying not to have an opinion about them because I just assumed that I didn't know enough to disagree with the consensus view. Okay. And if there's anything that Overdue has taught me, it's like nobody knows anything. So I can just have whatever <laughs> opinions I want. All right. This, this is from Annie. This is from Goodreads. Uh, she says, what do you read when you're not reading for the podcast? <laughs> it's an easy one. Book-wise, the answer is nothing. Yeah, mostly. Um, a lot of the time I am just, I'm just reading articles, a lot of it, uh, like centered on tech or politics or both. Yep. Um, and that's, that's both because one of the, the rules of like improving as a writer is just to read a lot and to read people's prose and, and say, Oh, I wish I could do that. I wish yeah, I was that yeah. good at words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yeah, a lot of it is just like keeping up for my job and keeping up on current events and, and, and whatever. What about you? I do research for plays that I'm working on. Um, that's generally the the best for me when I'm working on a play as a director is like finding one or two hooks that I can always come back to. And sometimes that's in a film or sometimes that's in an, a research book or a relevant novel to a particular theme. Um, especially if it's a historical period, I did a. Uh, so we did um, all quiet on the Western Front pretty early on in the show. I actually read that right. because I was doing a play about some old men from World War One, um, and that turned out to be really helpful because it just gave me some really strong imagery and some characters to work from. Uh, and like you, I've this year has been a big year for reading political articles, so I've been doing a lot of that uh, <laughs> more so than I have had. And I can't imagine that the flushing our republic down the toilet has had anything to do God. with the amount of political articles that we're reading. God bless the USA. And I read uh, I read a decent amount, though um, not as much as I used to a couple years ago, sports writing. Because um, sports ball. Well, because Grantland used to be a thing, right? Well, and that's the not ringer is the anymore? ringer is the new thing. Um, the ringer is the new Grantland. The ringer is. The I new know Grantland. usually when those when those hoity-toity publications go under, there's like most of the writers from it usually go somewhere else and and set up a new. And both thing. of those are Bill Simmons projects. He came out of ESPN, personality-driven sports guy. He now has a show on HBO. Who wouldn't you know? is a significant investor in the ringer. So uh, they churn out a lot of Game of Thrones coverage. He's a he had a really important well, important, really popular <laughs> popular podcast called The BS Report. And it mm. was it was one of the first of the major wave of sports writers that were also like deliberately bringing a lot of pop culture to their writing and informality. Okay. So Sure. Um, I read a lot of not necessarily his work, but he somewhere along the line got a couple of really good editors and people who hire a lot of really good writers. So. <laughs> um, all right. Here's one that I think is mostly for you because sure. I think you're the one who ended up making this decision. How did you settle on the theme song? It is awesome. Miles Davis and fits a podcast so well. I couldn't imagine another one. And that is from Michael. You didn't hear it from me, but it's Freddie Freeloader by Miles Davis from the record kind of blue it's my favorite okay. album but mm-hmm. don't tell miles davis 
don't tell Miles Davis that, that yeah that that may have may or may not have been part of our calculus because I think like the obvious choice is like the Beatles like paperback writer or something sure um I had an AC Newman song called Miracle Drug that I thought could have been a contender because it is sort of obscurely about books oh like okay first verse okay cool so when i was doing test edits i would use that one every once in a while but yeah like you do you remember like the moment when you decided freddie freeloader would be it like were we just trying to think of we were, were just trying to set a vibe like what were we doing we were thinking uh we just wanted a vibe but there was a vibe that we wanted i'm gonna look through my classy email. classy vibe that we've completely invalidated with every word uh, that we've ever said on every podcast we've ever recorded I guess in the meantime, while you look this up, I, c- I will answer part of another question. Um, sure. F- from Erica. And uh, Erica says, I- and I'm going to answer this question like sideways, I guess. It- she says, excluding the Fifty Shades trilogy, which- what books that you've read for the podcast did you dislike the most? And she says, I assume that Fifty Shades would be the automatic bottom of the barrel. And let me just say, like, Fifty Shades sucks. But it's also it was also fun in its way because we got to have fun conversations about them. Like if if you talk to a reviewer, you will they they will tell you that the the reviews that they have the most fun writing are ones where they can just be kind of unabashedly negative. And I'm not going to say we were unabashedly negative about the Fifty Shades books because I think we did give those books the benefit of the doubt in a lot of areas where they maybe did not necessarily deserve it, but. Those books did, they had like a point of view and a like a worldview that they were subscribing to and it made them easy and fun to interface with critically. Yeah. Um, probably the book that I read that I've hated the most was uh, And You Shall Know Our Velocity by Dave Eggers. Oh, you hated that book. Which felt like a sophomore year creative writing prompt expanded to novel length. And that's great. That's one of those books we talked about. It. Like I so read it in high school, and, and I was like, "Oh, what is this crazy book?" Well, Dave Eggers is all over the place, and he can't like yeah. he's he's written he's a read, ton of books. And you should read "What Is the What" for the show. Um, I've heard "What cool Is book. the What," and I've heard um, "Heartbreaking Work of." Yeah, Stanley that's Genius. a that's a big one that we should probably tackle at some. Yeah, point. so I, I um, may have just not read a good Dave Eggers book. This, yeah, like. You're assuming Fifty Shades is the bottom of the barrel? I don't know. Those episodes I don't were. Think it is. It was hard they were to fun. read, but they were fun episodes. Yeah. Um, this also dovetails with Sean's question. Uh, this is recently from Twitter. If you could unread any one book for the that you read for the show, which would it be? I would unread The Girl Next Door. Oh I don't, man! I don't that, ever. I would. I would unread that for you. That also I, is my selection. If If Will Smith <laughs> could show up. With his little remote control dildo thing his, and make his, me forget <laughs> all of that book. It looks like a vibrator, Andrew. Let's please now. Um, okay, I would have said like flashy pen, but that's fine. Whatever. If I could get rid of that from me, that would be great. That would be just fine. Yeah, no, I you telling me about that was a uniquely uncomfortable <sighs> moment. <sighs> in to answer your earlier question real quick, Andrew... I Michael did, about the theme song. Yeah, I did an edit of the first episode and sent it to you with Freddie Freeloader in it. And you said, I am not sure about that particular Miles Davis song, but the only album I'm really familiar with is Birth of the Cool, so I'm willing to defer to your expertise. I, li- I then said, 
that uh, Birth of the Cool is a little too hard bop for the feel of our show. <laughs> uh, it's true. I said, it is too hard bop. It's true. And I said I like Freddy Freeloader because it's cool and has motion but isn't too in your face. And it's actually... It's probably I like the rec I like the track a lot. It's probably my least favorite track on that album. Wow, um, good choice. Well, it no, just super has super good choice. I'm not gonna put all blues all blues doesn't have a solid like I like that riff a lot. It wasn't gonna fit for the show. We just wanted something that was kinda classy, kinda like gave you the vibe that you were drinking some whiskey and like sitting down with a good book. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. No, and hopefully we've established that. Yeah. Is that your cat? (laughs) Walking around on my desk. What do you want, Newman? Um, Andrew. Craig. This comes in from Claire on Goodreads. Bit of a pivot here. Sup, Claire? My question is, if you guys plan to create original non-podcast work, Andrew, do you plan to write a book, a novel, a screenplay someday? Craig, would you ever consider writing or developing a new play? If you haven't considered it both... You both, if you haven't considered it before, you both should. What would a dream project for you guys be, Andrew? If you ever wanted to do some creative, like creative, creative, creative writing, creative, creative. <laughs> um, I would love to write a book about something. I just don't know what about. Like, I haven't, I haven't found the idea that I have like a hundred thousand words about in me anywhere yet. You have like lit up like a Christmas tree at the opportunity to be a dungeon master. Though. I do. Okay, so uh, Dungeons and Dragons is a thing <laughs> that I started playing uh, like seven or eight months ago. I, I think I, I've been sort of you casually said that, like people didn't know what Dungeons and Dragons was. I'm just making sure. I'm just providing context, which is part of what I do on this show, Dusty Bookshelf. <laughs> The book podcast that we record. Welcome to Dusty Bookshelves, a book podcast that's not about books. It's just about the people who read them. Yeah, I'm Dustin Bookshelf. (laughs) (laughs) I had had wanted to play Dungeons & Dragons for a while. And again, it's another McElroy podcast that that stoked these flames, Uh the Adventure Zone. Um. And I started doing this with a group of friends, some some people we knew from Kenyan and some other people who I just run into from other walks of life who wanted to play it. And somebody else started off um, doing the Dungeon Master stuff, but but we started taking turns. Yeah. And I've had a lot of fun. And I'm running another game that has Craig in it now that we like just started. Oh, boy. And it's like this whole thing. But yeah, I'm having a lot of fun like doing the world building part of it. Yes. And establishing like an overarching plot and like specific plot twists while also letting you guys and whatever like improvisation you do drive the the session to session story arcs. I don't know that that's it's been it's been a useful creative outlet for me because like I do want to do that stuff, but I also write a lot. And yeah, so I, I think, don't like I, I don't really have the energy to sit down at a keyboard at night and like do something other than my day job. Cause it's what I do all day anyway. Yeah. I think D and D is a, is a good outlet for you in that regard because you get to set up all the ideas, but you don't need to sit and write about what yeah, everyone's right. eating and all that garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not written a, a, a play myself, but I have worked on a couple of world premiere plays. Um, 
and I I direct at least once or twice a year, if not more so, still uh, regularly. So for me, working on a new play is really fascinating because it's not just solving a puzzle. Like uh, for a lot of a lot of play work for me is like, what the heck does this person mean? Let's come up with some cool solutions to some problems. Um, working on a new play very often is figuring out what the heck the playwright is trying to do and helping them do it better and better and better until I need them to stop changing the script because we have to rehearse. <laughs> and that's and they're not going to change the script because I'm going to come up with stuff in rehearsal that they're going to think is interesting and want to change the script in response to, and that's totally fine. Um, well, and a lot, of the, a lot of the plays that you've worked on, like world premiere-wise have been with people who maybe have never had a play go up before at all. And I've so done, I've done two of those. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're like, not only are you, you're you directing the actors and actresses on stage, but you're, you're helping the writer have a better sense of what works like actually on stage and versus Correct. like what works on the page because they're not the same thing. Oh, certainly. And a lot the the ego that can crop up as a director Ooh when boy. when no I'm I'm speaking for myself the ego that can crop up as a director when you're working on an established play where it's just like this is my version of this play mm-hmm. and that happens a lot and that's part of the craft um, that better go away when you're working on someone else's play um, I've read some journal entries from the director Ilya Kazan, who did a lot of work with Arthur Miller. He directed a lot of important movies in the mid 20th century, um, Streetcar Named Desire, et cetera, et cetera. He does not subscribe to that theory. He will tell any playwright their business. Uh, <laughs> and it was, it's been interesting to read some of his work on that and kind of realize that I don't, it, maybe I just don't have the gumption to do that and I should, or I just don't work that way so a a lot of my work is kind of like stepping out of the way for other people and and really helping them realize their work i don't know what my dream project would be okay so if you and i were going to do a project together oh boy my idea can i just go to sleep right now you can if you want i we would do a choose your own adventure book that would echo across the ages, I think. Oh my god. <laughs> you are a genius. I know I'm really good. I'm really good at this. I would definitely write a choose your own adventure book with you. So that would be so fun. Come and get it. <laughs> oh man, that's great. So just think about that one for a minute. Oh, do you have another question while I think about how cool that would be? Um, here's another shorty from uh, Prowizorio on Goodreads. Is there any book you absolutely won't read, and if so, why? Can I add, can I add a follow up? Yes. Uh, Alex asked on Twitter, uh, "What's a book you would dread getting as a Patreon request, and how much money would it take you to read Atlas Shrugged?" <laughs> wow. I think that's probably We've one gotten- we should. At least two Atlas Shrug related questions. Yeah. And um, like, I don't want to burst you guys' bubble, but I did read that book for the scholarship. Oh, you in did? High school. Oh, yep. you jerk. Yeah. That's the, uh. And I didn't know 
how weird and wrong its politics were so i just kind of reading it as a book and that's a weird way to if we do it that means i have to read it uh um, if we do it that means you have to read it so this this is me shrugging imagine that i'm atlas and i am shrugging right now i hate you is there any book (laughs) andrew that you absolutely won't read i can't think of a specific title honestly like again like going back to the the listener dictated program like i uh-huh. i have learned and, and this is kind of my default state anyways to kind of try and give people a benefit of the doubt but there's pretty much nothing i wouldn't try sure i might hate it and never want to read another book by that author of like or like of that type ever again but yeah like it, it's I, gonna be it's gonna be a cold day in hell before i read more Cormac mccarthy but i'm not i'm okay. not gonna say never Okay. I I really don't want to read a Chuck Tingle book for this show. Ooh, oh, I know that's a good answer. I know by saying that out loud that I am invoking like some internet folks to come and tell me to read Chuck Tingle for I this mean, podcast. I mean, I think if you say his name 3 times on a podcast, I he writes a book about being pounded in the butt by your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I really, I just, and and one of them is like, I won't read it because I am, uh, I don't th- know that it would be like a fun episode. I I worry that it would just be like, yo, this book is garbage, and and that's a little like presumptive on my part. Yeah, I guess it's it's it's. I, I think the people who did Mystery Science Theater three thousand have talked about this. Is it's it's hard to make goofs on somebody who's trying to be intentionally funny because pretty much the only reaction that you can have to that thing is oh this is funny or oh this isn't funny yes Mm -hmm. and so i think if if you're going to hate read something there has to be this the person who's writing it has to take it seriously on some level for that's what made 50 shades work yeah for there to be anything to deconstruct yeah. The author has to be invested in their work. And in a way that I, you know, honestly, I don't know. I don't know the guy, but I honestly, I don't think Tuck Tingle is super invested in any of the goofy stuff that no. he writes. And, and I also he know is, from... he is using it for some social, like to some social ends lately that I think is, is interesting, but I don't, I don't know if that'd make a good podcast. No. And I, I know the podcast episodes that we've done, that have gone the least successfully are ones where it really just boils down to, hey, listen to this goofy thing from this book. Mm-hmm. Like, that isn't great for the show. It doesn't make the best show um, because then it's like, it's just a list of funny quotes. Uh, and I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound like a good time. Sure. Um, you got another one, Andrew? Uh, do you have another one? I feel like I just came up with a couple. I feel like I just gave you that one. <laughs> what? Okay, Andrew. This comes Greg. from Graham on Twitter. All right. All right, Graham. What books have you both already read that you'd still like to cover in the show? And we, we have this discussion sometimes when we're talking about potential guests um, because um, that's a good example. That's a good way to get yeah, these books Yeah, I think covered. like Great Gatsby, Fahrenheit 451, maybe Lord of the Flies. A lot of that stuff that we technically read in high school but didn't really appreciate 
Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye uh, would be a good one. Um, if we could, if we could find people that we think would make good guests, and and we certainly try to be uh, specific with who we're having on the show. Um, if we can find people that we think would make a guess and somehow haven't read these <laughs> these works of fiction <laughs> that are pretty canonical. So, so we want to find really smart and funny and cool people who have not read any books <laughs> ever before <laughs> in their lives. Yeah, those are, those are the ones that I would suggest. Um, oh, going back to books I wouldn't read. I'm done with Orson Scott Card. Have we talked about that on the show? That's cool. Um, I yeah, I guess I don't even know if I would listen to somebody talk about Ender's Game. No, uh, I unless you want a thirty minute discussion about how I'm sad about what he's done to that series and what he's done as a human. Um, it's a, yeah, it's it's it's. There are two sides to that, and one is that we find his politics sort of odious and i know like we we make some jokes about getting political sometimes but we don't we don't we try not to actually do that because i do want our show to be as inclusive as as possible and despite what our election cycle like tries to tell us like the people who believe things other than the things we believe are not monsters they're just other people um, that's, that's what you think. Yeah, well, um, I think we try to act our politics on the show rather than just discuss them. Yes, right, right, right. So um, yeah, he's he supports some things that we do not support, and also he has written so so many sequels to what was once a wonderful little self-contained sci-fi book. Yeah, that and, and it's it, just it's it. You you talk about people ruining their legacy or whatever by continuing to to write or record or whatever like new stuff about it and i feel like maybe he's maybe maybe done that maybe yeah and and for me like personally my my differences in opinion with him on on some issues ex like explicitly run against what i love about his earlier work right um and that that is so personally frustrating to me um because I love those books so much. Well, and you've got to wonder, like, are, is did his views change or were you just interpreting something wrong? And that's a thing I don't want to talk about, <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest. So Sure, fine. Um, Andrew, I got another one for you. All right, hit me. This comes in from Nathaniel. Andrew, Great. I've enjoyed your overdue podcasts as well as your Ars Technica reviews for a while. I felt a little oh, no. bit of kinship with you after noticing we might be around the same age and that you do tech reviews, uh, yet you are not a computer science major, but majored in classics. Didn't realize that was a major these days, he says, and I'm pleasantly surprised to find out that you managed to pay the bills with it. Um, if you don't mind my asking, do you have any advice for someone seeking work via writing, editing, or even podcasting? Uh, Nathaniel majored in English 10 years ago. He's found work only at the university where he graduated. He enjoys it, but the job security and stability are very poor. Um, he's done other sorts of writing. He just wanted to know what kind of pointers you had for maybe how you broke into your work. I, and, and this has come up a few times with like friends and stuff too. And I'm not, I'm not going to say it's going to work for everybody, but this is what has worked for me personally is that nobody 
knows how to do anything. Like everybody, <laughs> everybody in every industry, always everywhere, except in like really hard science stuff where you need to know math and whatever. Everybody everywhere else is faking it all the time, 24 seven. I think and, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and if you have a passion for something and if you think you're good at it and if you spend a lot of time doing it, even if you haven't like trained in it formally, my strategy has always just been to kind of like go for it. Um, mm. I have, I have the job that I have now. I, I am, I run the, uh, the gadget review section at Ars Technica, which is a, it's owned by Condé Nast and it's like, it's kind of a big deal, everybody, but whatever. It's 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 fine. You're it's on good. a first name basis with Mr. Apple. We get it. Yeah, like, yeah, Mr. Apple. I'm like, hey, you Mr. have Apple. burritos with Dr. Google. Like, <laughs> we get it. <laughs> Dr. Google is his father. Please, please. My my rule is like, don't don't get in your own way. Like, don't don't look at jobs that you would like to have or things that you would like to do and say. I'm not qualified. I don't have what it takes to do that. And so like, just like don't try in the first place. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on top of that, like if somebody does offer you an opportunity and like maybe it's not the most convenient thing for you at the time or it's a little dodgy financially, like don't don't like bankrupt yourself, but do like default to saying yes to things. And so seeing... don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to perhaps overreach a little bit yeah like let other people decide that you're unqualified for something because that's what they're that's what they're gonna do like don't don't disqualify yourself from stuff that you want to do you're laughing a lot but like this is like we're gonna have a lot of sandwich artists walking into surgery theaters yeah right right right. this this is a great time to say that we are not liable for anything that you do as a result of this podcast but (laughs) but that's I've jumped industries a couple of times and it's just been like, I, I will do something in my spare time or I will just get really interested in something as an enthusiast or as somebody who really likes to learn about stuff. Sure. And then you, you turn that enthusiasm into a paying job by like being on the lookout for opportunities and by being really really proactive about snapping those opportunities up and as I they think come along. Something I've seen you do very successfully is be very self-aware of the skills that you've acquired just as as someone who's interested in a thing. So like your your ability to go into IT had nothing to do with the classes you were taking at Kenyon. Oh, absolutely not. But your ability to then parlay your experience as an IT person into a career writing about tech was like a marriage of the two, right? So watching it, Andrew is the person to to use this example of because I went I majored in theater and then I did a bunch of crappy jobs and then like got to do more theater. So like that's the expected story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Andrew actually like did some stuff that was different than what his degree said and then still leveraged his degree and the experience that he had from it into a thing he wanted to do more of. And then, yeah, kind of like the fact that we just decided to do a podcast and then try to get good at it. 
like look around at the look around look around at the skills that you have and use them and then tell people about those skills uh, and why they should hire you yeah and I, and I, it's it's rough i never know like how much of my own personal success to attribute to that philosophy and how much to just to, to attribute to me playing life on easy mode as a as a conventional as a looking dude. white man yeah <laughs> well and and that combined with luck right like the jobs came at the right time when you needed them they were available for you when you were taking the moves that you were making yeah and, and, and you, there's been and you there's like been some of that but you also kind of you find your own luck by like every everything that I've gotten because that that could be attributed to luck, like the job that I got at Princeton when we happened to be moving out to New Jersey for some other reason, uh, the move to writing that I happened to do like at the same time as I was getting just like kill me bored at Princeton. Uh huh. <laughs> it was because I was looking out for that stuff and I was ready to like by hook or by crook, I was gonna get what I needed to get. <laughs> Sure. I feel like this answer has gone on for too long, but All right, hit me with another question, Andrew. Um as well this related like there there are a lot of questions about how we read or why we read this sort of related to that. Uh this is from Albie. Um how has the podcast changed how you read and here's the interest, here's the part of this question that I think is going to be the most uh interesting mm. at this point. Are you always conscious of the fact that you will eventually be recounting the story or plot details and does it get distracting? Depending on the book, it does. It does get a little distracting, or at least it ch- it definitely changes how you read the book. It goes from, let me just experience this and uh, see how I feel about it, to a very like hyper-aware, how am I feeling about it now? Do I feel different? Do I feel the same? Was that a funny thing? Do I need to take a picture of this quote? Do I need to send it to Andrew so that he knows about the show so I can <laughs> so we can talk about it later? Do I need to research this right now? Uh, am I going to forget this part of the book because it's 500 pages long? Yeah, and this that is a really, that's, that's my jam. This is a really interesting page 50, and there's no way I'm going to remember why this is interesting in a couple days when I have to talk about it on the show. Um, so that does get distracting. My tactic lately for better or for worse, has kind of been to just plow headlong, highlighting stuff along the way without too many notes, and then see what I see what stuck with me as I am coming up with like the basic plot points that I needed to hit on the show. Yeah. I don't, that... I, we don't really talk we, that's a that's a secret sauce of the show is we don't really have an established rubric for like how we're gonna hit a book on any given no because like typically like 15 minutes before we start recording we'll be like okay because because i guess there are there are broad archetypes for an overdue episode and so there's like there's there's the plot heavy one where we're just gonna most of the episode is gonna be going blow by blow through the plot and just summarizing everything and reacting to it and whatever there are episodes where the issues that it talks about are going to dominate the episode mostly. Um, and, and then there are, I think episodes where our personal reaction to whatever it is that we're reading is dominates the, the episode and, and we'll use quotes from the book to, to dig deeper into that. But 
but yeah, I think I think those are three of the the big ones. And we just, I would, like most of the planning we do is just deciding, okay, of those episode types, which one does this fall most neatly into? I would add the fourth, which is uh for some of the older books that we read, this is a really important book in X genre, or this is a really classic work by this author. Let's, as we talk about this book, and this is usually for longer books, we did this with Hugo a little bit, actually. Like, why did this book help make that person famous? Or why is this book still as revered as it is? Can often be the driver of a conversation. Um, yeah, like I, why did why does something have staying power is a question that we answer a lot that I think yeah. is pretty good. And, and I think that certainly will come into play as I'm reading a book. Um, but yeah, it it gets a little distracting if I'm like, I feel like I do this thing where I make a lot of notes in the first hundred pages and then make no notes for like most of the middle of the book and then you get back onto notes for the end yeah i do the exact same thing because <laughs> at the beginning of the book i'm just kind of i'm highlighting stuff because it's like oh this character's name is one that i'll probably remember i'm just i'm, I'm trying to find the stuff that the book is about because it's not always clear right from the get-go sure I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's annoying, but I do often get to the end of a book and I realize that I've highlit so many things that my highlights are completely unhelpful and I am not going to be able to find all the stuff that I wanted that I really like I can remember this quote in my brain, but I don't have I don't know how to look up the specific quote in the book. And it's it's that can get frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've started to just highlight things and. I don't know why. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> and and so I, I have to delineate as I'm prepping for each episode of like, is this a highlight that I'm using just to be like, remember this to talk about it? Or is this a quote that we need to talk about? See, when you're um, using the iPhone or Android app, they, they give you different highlighter colors. And so for a while, I was trying to use different colors for different things. But that system idiot. breaks down. That system breaks down. <laughs> like instantly it does not yeah no it doesn't it doesn't scale andrew this is a question from santiago who sends us much love from mexico my biggest question is when i ask every bookworm or writer that i come across so why do you think we like to read so much do you think that whatever it is we find in books uh, that makes us like it is new in us or was it with us all along which is do you think writers are like builders or are they like archaeologists? Dang, there's a lot of that's questions. A, that's a that's a great some that last question is a great summation of of his second question. But like, why do you think we like to read so much, Andrew? I listen. There are other reasons than this, but I'm gonna go with the vanity answer. Part of the reason we like to read so much is because it makes us look smart. <laughs> Because, wrong right well and what okay here's a question why does it make us look smart is it because we spend the bulk of our time in school being told you need to read this and to read it you get the good grades i don't and know that why means that i don't you're know why that pants. i just know that like if you okay so you go into a bar and you're not you're alone and you sit down and you're and this is this is actually something i have noticed specifically since i bought a kindle 
which makes it obvious that I'm reading a book and not just looking at my phone is people are more likely to try and engage you in conversation about like, Oh, what are you reading? Like people, I don't know. People, people assume that you're more intellectually engaged, I guess, cause you're reading a book than if you're just like sitting there and watching a TV show or something, which is not necessarily a fair assumption to make, but I think it is an assumption that's pretty common in our culture. Right. Yes. It's like books are, books are smart. Books are highbrow books are worthwhile. And like, video games, movies, TV shows, those, those have their moments, but like by default, they are not those things. Right. I will say that the immediate thing that popped into my brain when I heard this question, there's a quote from David Foster Wallace about novels and their function being to make us feel less alone, which has like a really awful tinge of irony now. Um, after he took his own life and yeah, that's really he's dead sad and frustrating um but that, I, I don't think that that undermines the statement because it is it is an act of empathy to read a book and, and think about those characters therein to think about the author um i i'm working in a storytelling medium I'm, I'm constantly thinking about like why we tell stories and how we tell stories and i when i'm teaching i often use the you know perhaps overused cliche now of like cavemen around the fire and why we tell stories and why that helps us develop as humans um both socially and as like hey next time you see a lion don't do what steve did because steve's not here anymore um (laughs) i think i think talking about the age of it is is part of it though too is is and i've actually there there was another question we got i don't think is is uh, it was from Melissa. It was, what is your favorite overdue stress dream? And I don't have a stress dream related to the show because the show is one of the things that I do when I want to feel less stressed. But I, every once in a while, will have this weird dream where I'm trying to do something or like interface with something, but like I don't have the right ports. Like I'm not compatible. <laughs> I can't do it. And the written word is so old okay like i can pick up jane eyre or you can pick up shakespeare or whatever and maybe we need some context for specific things to help us interpret exactly what is going on but we can still read it and understand it and get something out of it and we don't have to worry about like I think, especially in video games, like a big conversation that is going on now, the medium is actually getting old enough to worry about it is conservation. Yeah. yeah. Um. So so how do we how do we make sure that older stuff is still available for later generations, even though so much of this is tied to specific hardware that is not made anymore that this nobody cares about anymore. That's and a it, question. Yeah. It's a question for film and music too, because. You know, music forty years ago, uh, ever since you know, ever since recording happened, has been mixed and recorded for the devices people were listening to it on. And as that's changed, the way that people record music has changed. So then, when you go back and listen to something from fifty years ago, but you're listening to it in your like, you know, Dr. Dre Beats Buds or whatever, <laughs> um, that doesn't sound like it 
it doesn't necessarily sound like it was meant to coming out of your like parents cabinet speakers or whatever it might be um and that's a that's a minor difference for a lot of things but for some things it makes a huge difference Uh, and for film there's the whole issue of like the pre-talky era how they were making silent movies and and whether or not we have the ability to experience them the same way today so that's that's an interesting it's an interesting point about books andrew good job we've talked about it with with some of the shows of older books that like part of the challenge and or the fun is wrestling with different eras of language and different styles of speaking and writing um which would not necessarily doesn't translate all the time to other media mm-hmm. um and it's interesting to to see how your language your modern voice kind of matches up with that of an older author andrew do you have another question we're kind of, we're probably going to wind down soon but what else do you got um what are, are some of your favorite books ever that have not been featured on the show and some of the least favorite and this is from kelly well, we talked about uh, Orson Scott Card's work in the Ender's Game series. Um, I mentioned Last Town on Earth earlier. I'm trying to think of if there's another book that I'm particularly a big fan of, other than the fact that I'm making you read Infinite Jest. Um, <laughs> do you have one while I while I think? No, I mean we read Lord of the Rings. I of of the formative books that I came up with. I think Narnia is a big one that we didn't we haven't read for the show, but. Any reading of that now would have to be through the lens of like how extremely allegorical it is. Sure, and sure. And how differently my experience reading them now is from the experience I had reading them as a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, and, um, and actually going back a couple questions, when you mentioned books we've both read that we would have to find someone else to read, like Fahrenheit 451, Lord of the Flies, those were both seminal reads for me as a late middle into high schooler. Um, and I, I would love to talk about them, but I've definitely read them and, and we, we would definitely want to get a fresh perspective on them for the show. Mm-hmm. So, and then here's, here's another like slightly related one while you, while you chew on that other one from uh Taryn on Twitter is out of all the authors from the show, which author's writing has been the most striking slash beautiful slash powerful. Huh. I think for me, I'd say like Vonnegut, I'd love a lot. Uh, Juno Diaz, his writing struck a chord with me. Um, Asali Solomon has a really good, like, it's just, and, and the way we'd put it on the show a lot of the time is they just like, they have a certain way of turning a phrase that, that appeals to us for a way that we, in a way that we can't like quite define. I sort of wish that I hadn't read that I'd taken more time rather with to the lighthouse. That's a book that for me, it, it's all language and uh, Wolf's writing is amazing. Um, and I kind of wish that I had taken a little bit more time with it because I would have relished it more. Um, not that I would have necessarily been able to translate that to the show. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but certainly that is a book for me that was like, whoa, this is this is a person in command of this language and it is gorgeous. Um and and really accomplishing what the book is about. Cause it, it gorgeous just for gorgeous's sake is empty. Um sorry, Oscar Wilde. 
I mean, it, it can accomplish a certain a certain thing, but it can't be it can't be a, the only thing. Yes, yes. Um, I think books like To the Lighthouse are great examples for me, anyway, of of what language can do when it's really stretched to its full capacity. Sure. Andrew, two goofy questions. We'll close out here. Okay. Two, two separate groups of them, starting from Erica's question. If you had to come up with ridiculous pseudonyms for yourselves, what would they be? When I was around 12, we had to... This is Erica speaking. When I was around 12, we had to watch educational videos in school featuring a kid named Theosaurus. <laughs> it was painful even then. Andrew, what ridiculous pseudonym would you make for yourself? What ridiculous pseudonym? I guess it would be Dustin Bookshelves at this point. <laughs> no! <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know what I would use... Probably, well, my name is just so goofy. I feel like, yeah, you get kind of a pass because you, you for your entire life have had to be oh, Craig getting whatever. Yep, Craig getting better all the time. Yeah, that's what I gotta do. Can't get um, no worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if uh, if it weren't already part of the Sonic the Hedgehog universe maybe i'd be like miles per hour See, that that universe has already given us so many terrible things though <laughs> i don't know um it wouldn't be a good is there a good riff on the on like the name will because like one of my middle names is william is that i've like tried a good... to start calling you bill a couple times but it just never it. sticks oh i hate it sup so bill much. oh no welcome you to just... dusty bookshelves my name is bill <laughs> My name is Dustin, and my name is Bill. Welcome to Dusty Bookshelves. <laughs> it's the alternate universe where our podcast is terrible. <laughs> Andrew, I'm going to follow up that question with another question. Yo. What's your favorite Pokemon? Original 150, obviously. All right. So this this it's dependent on context, right? Are we talking original 150 Pokemon Obviously. In the context of the original games where those are the only Pokemon that exist, or are we talking original 150 in the current game where there are like 600 other Pokemon in addition to them? I, I am amazed that there's a difference. There is definitely. And shut up and just answer the question. <laughs> if I were going to pick from the original 150 and they were the only ones that existed, I would say Alakazam because he's really OP and he has a bunch of spoons and he can just kill anybody and there's nothing else in the game that can really, that can get him. If I was going to say in the current metagame with all the other oh, Pokemon, God. I would say Starmie because his typing and his move pool is really good. <sighs> And I have a Starmie that I've been transferring from Pokemon game to Pokemon game since like 2003. The answer's just Mr. Mime. No, it's not Mr. Mime. What you, Are you an idiot? Mr. Mime is terrible. He's a man who is trapped no, as a Pokemon. No, he's just a plain psychic type, which bore ring, and you're going to get taken down by any number of other threats. And also, he doesn't have like a cool mega evolution or anything. Like Mr. Mr. Mime? His name is Mr. Mime. What are you talking about? Favorite is not the same word as best, Andrew. 
It he's is not, when you're serious about it. Oh my god, I'm never <laughs> going to get all those badges. Andrew, what is your what is the deal? Super Smash Brothers 64 or Super Smash Brothers Melee? Melee. This is Russell again. He says there is a right answer. I assume that the fact that he says there is a right answer means that he likes 64, but no, it's Melee. Yeah, he's wrong. It's, it's 100% Melee. That's a GameCube game. You can pick up your GameCube and carry it to your friend's house. There's a handle and everything. There's Andrew, <laughs> what is your favorite character from Super Smash Brothers? We're doing a video game podcast now. I don't know how yeah. that happened. It's called Dusty Game Shelves. Uh, I guess <laughs> Dusty Mar- Cartridges. Marth. That's my name. Marth. Marth? Marth. Uh, Falco. That's mine. All right. Many is the time in college where we would have a one-on-one match with no items. Final destination. Final destination. Falco v. Marth. Yeah. Or Captain Falcon versus Mario, which was Craig's and my respectively secondary. Yeah, characters. that's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, I think that's it, right? We're going out on a Smash Brothers question, huh? Yeah, I think so. What happened if they tried to novelize Smash Brothers? Probably nothing good. It would be like War and Peace. Are you kidding? Wario and Peace. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're done here. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this marathon Q&A episode of Dusty Bookshelves. Um, if you want to go to Facebook.com slash Dusty Bookshelves, you can... I, mean, I don't know pod. what would happen to you I if don't you know did what. that. <laughs> Goodbye. See you later. You got sucked into the dead zone or whatever it is. Um, go to Facebook.com slash Pod. You can ask us more questions that maybe we'll answer on another episode or we'll save for our actual Fraser Crane live show. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, or you can tweet them to us at tw- twitter.com slash overdue pod. Write an email, overduepod at gmail.com. Andrew, most of the folks who wrote in know what's going on, but newbies, where should they go to find out about more about the show? Bow, bow, bow. Newbies should go to overduepodcast.com where they can find links to iTunes and Stitcher and RSS and Google Play. Uh, those are all the services you can use to subscribe to the show and get new episodes when they drop every Monday or in the case of our monthly bonus episodes, whenever they drop. Whenever. Um, whenever. And we also have links to the Amazon. We have Amazon links to the books that we have read and are going to read. You can click those and buy the books and support us. Uh, we have a link to our Patreon page, which you can use to support us in an ongoing method. And that is the that is the reason why you guys get bonus episodes every month. I don't know if you think about it very much, but like try and think about where your bonus episodes come from. Come on. Sustainable bonus episodes. Sustainable everyone. bonus episodes. Uh, we also have a link to episodes that we just like a lot, where if you're trying to recommend the show to new people, yeah, uh, go to the new listeners page and we have a bunch of, of, of stuff that we're particularly proud of. Of course, we're proud of everything that we do here at Overdue Podcast. Yeah, sure. But uh, those, those are ones that we think will help you onboard new people if you're trying to do that. And if you are trying to do that, thank you very much. You're doing the Lord's work. Um, is there anything else? No. Anything else at all? Thank you guys for your support, for listening to us, for sending in so many good questions. I hope that you enjoyed getting answers from us about our, our goofy I don't know. Podcast that we release every week. Oh, we did we did take a lot of these questions from the Goodreads group. Right. Um, which is a great place to have discussion about the show or the books about the show. Um we try to keep it updated with what we're reading. Um, but it's actually been really cool to have another way 
to talk with you guys and see what you're reading and uh, kind of keep up with you that way. It's a little bit different than Facebook and Twitter, and we're really happy that we have a presence there. So yeah, thanks definitely. to everyone in the Goodreads group. And to Julie, who started it. Yeah, she did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, iTunes, et cetera, you said that. Yeah, I said that already. I think, I think we're, we're good. Done. I think we're good. I'm going to turn off the lights and uh, we're going to close the bar. You turn the mic, you turn the lights off first and then turn the mic off. Closing time. You don't if have you to go to home, but you can't stay here. Do the sign off now, I guess. I know who <laughs> I want to take me home. I knew who I wanted to take me home. All right, everybody. Uh, Until next week, try to be happy. Bye. (laughs) You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know. Some sort of crazy bug just showed up in my office. And I oh, didn't no. Kill it. Do you, is it one of those bugs with all those legs? No. Do you have a house like, centipede? No, it's like a lightning bug or something. Oh, no. How did it get in my house? <laughs> get out of my house. <laughs> you can leave this in the show. I killed a bug. You killed it? I killed it. What are God's creatures? And it's gross. All right. Dead now. What did you say? I wasn't listening. There was a bug.